Well, welcome to Navigating Change with Shane and Mike. Today's episode is a bit of a radio remote, as they say in the radio business, because we are out of where we normally record and next to a softball field today, about to begin a softball game. We have the Sultans of Shane versus Mike's Marauders. Shane will be leading the Sultans of Shane, and I will be leading Mike's Marauders for a staff softball game. It is a beautiful 80-degree day, sunny, no wind, and I'm ready to play some ball. What about you, Shane? I'm a coiled spring over here, Mike. I mean, I'm excited about the day, not a cloud in the sky, got the sunscreen on, and when you say my skin is shiny. Yeah. Yeah, shiny. Shiny. Because it's protected. It's protected. It's protected. It's, and it's, one of our sponsors is a sunscreen company, or do we have sponsors yet, Mike? We, we do not. But uh, a sunscreen company we'd be open yeah. to, right? We're, we're waiting for the right sponsor, Shane. I mean, I like we've it. had offers. Of course we've had offers. Of course. I mean, offers come all the time for yeah, sponsors. But it's about the right offer. It, it is about the right We're waiting for the right thing. Yeah. Mike, what do you got for a lineup today? Well, let me tell you about the lineup today. At third base, I have Erica. Me at second base. I see you put yourself second. So you made the yeah, batting se- order, yeah, batting. and you batted yourself before almost everybody on your team. Yeah. What you thinking there, Mike? Well, basically, just trying to someone who would get a hit, get on oh, base. I like that. That's oh, it. You played to win. Yeah. I like it. You got a lot of confidence in you. No, because not at all. this is your first softball game, boom, yeah. you're second in the lineup. That's exactly like right. It. Yeah, I figured I should be there. Uh, third is shortstop, uh, Justin. Justin's a good ball player. Just- I've seen him play. He's actually got pretty good skill. Did he wear boots? Because uh, I've never seen him without I've, boots. I've never seen him in a short sleeve shirt today. This is the first time ever. It's usually be a big he's day got for like uh, he's usually got the lumberjack look. Right, right. Almost always boots, but maybe he put some spikes on his boots. There could be. Uh, first base, Ryan. Left, Landon. I keep hearing he's got a gun. All right. He's got right. quite the arm. I don't think he's ever played in a softball game, but, but I he's keep got hearing, quite the arm. That's what I hear. All right. Same well, length as the other one. That kind of thing. Yes, exactly. I like it. Yeah, I think so. I didn't measure. Left center, Valerie. Oh, your wife, Valerie. Yeah, she's going to be out there. Has she played a lot of ball? No, no, she didn't play a lot. She played through eighth grade. Okay. Yeah, so. So she has more experience than you, would you say? That is uh, an actual fact. All right, but you have been practicing. I have been practicing some. I've been out here on the field throwing. And you've been lifting weights, too. Because i got to say, the other day, i got to tell you guys, Mike has started to wear short sleeve shirts because he somewhat has guns now. And, and like, when you sit down, he'll, like, pull his shirt up slightly. Because he's got guns now. I've been lifting. I, I quit lifting weights because of COVID. I was lifting before well, that. Well, everybody I, had to quit because of COVID because everybody knows weightlifting yeah. was a major spreader wearing, of COVID. Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, a I, lot of people listen, are lifting weights. Boom, COVID jams up their listen, nose for them. They know it. I mean, they're underneath the I'm dumbbells. Wearing, I'm wearing short sleeve shirts because it's summertime. No, no. Not because guns. I think I have any guns. guns. Not at all. And you know, one of the things, when I was lifting weights a lot a couple years ago, Shane, I was also eating all the time. Oh, I like and it. And when I was telling people that I was eating weights, and running, people didn't believe the running part. That was clear to me. All right, all right. What I've been doing is eating a lot and not lifting weights or running. You got the lumberjack life, though. You're out there all the time working and chasing carpenter bees. Yeah, yeah. That's staining decks. Staining decks. You've done a lot of work. All right. Speaking of on deck, what else we got? All right, we got right center Josh Gillum, right field Kara, and catcher will be Hannah. All right. That is my batting lineup and the positions. Here's what the Sultans of Shane are going with. We got Tom Drury leading off playing center field. We got Liz in right field. Kevin Siddle's coming up to play some left field for us. Melissa Bishop playing right center. And she may or may not have borrowed a glove from me. Uh, Nathan Peels playing second base. Uh, Carmen, who I've not seen yet, uh, is slated to play catcher. 
Alan Prass, left-handed, playing first base. You say, why is he playing first base? Because he's left-handed. I saw him throw yesterday, Shane. He kind of and thrown he out of his ear a little bit. I kind of felt like the ball was maybe dipping. I'm slightly concerned. He said he hadn't thrown for 15 years, but as soon as he started throwing, it was about as hard as he could. So yeah. I don't know. Is he yeah. in a sling today? I don't know. I don't know. But I felt his ball had a lot of downward movement, mainly yeah. due to gravity. <laughs> so then we've got Sarah, who actually played high school ball. Yeah. Uh, playing third base for us, and I will bat last, and I'll play shortstop for the Sultans. Well, very good. I'm looking forward to this game. What we're going to do today, we're going to have some fun. We're going to tell you some highlights, maybe lowlights of the game yeah, right. as well. We're just looking forward to this time out here together. Well, Mike, I got to go hit some infield. We're ready to go, man. Sounds good. Right, we are back in what I love to call the studio. The which studio, is, which is also called your office. It's it's my office. It's the studio for the podcast. But the game is all It's all over. done. It's done. It's done. We are pretty injury-free for the most part. I, I think so. Yeah. At least on the field injuries. There were no ambulances called. No one had to be uh, taken out of the game because yeah. they were injured. So I, I think that's a win. It was a beautiful day, so it wasn't too hot either. We were hydrated, but Shane, do you want to give the final score? Of I don't remember the, game? the final score. What was it? I believe it was seven to five. The Sultans of Shane as the winners. Yes, we we won. But now that being said, it, it got came down to the bottom of the seventh. Yeah. Uh, the uh, Mike's Marauders were the home team. You had a chance, had and a there chance. were base runners on base. We had two when, on. When uh, we got a double play to finish the game. Yep. Finished the game like that, so it was competitive. It was fun. We got to see some people's skill. Overall, what do you think about the game, Shane? Uh, did you uh, were you surprised by some of the athletic feats you saw out there? Overall, the level of play was better yeah. than I anticipated. It was better, and we had three or four people that I thought would be pretty good, and they were. Yeah. And then we had other people that I just thought were solid. And the other thing you remember is I don't think anybody on that whole field is playing regularly anywhere but you know mike the thing that you and i were talking about earlier this isn't about softball mm -hmm. it's really about morale mm -hmm. and it's about what i'm going to call the new staff mm -hmm. how in in a church staff that's made up of so many young people right. uh, how do you engage them and how's that different than maybe it was 20 years ago on a church staff i think this game is a part of the answer to that so Shane, what was like a church staff? If we just talk about you building teams, you've been doing it for a long time, uh, and, and kind of just the last generation of building teams with a church staff, what was that like? What type of mentality was needed to uh, just be fruitful in ministry? Yeah, I think in, in the old school, I think what you tended to do was find a good horse, ride it till it died, dismount, and find a new horse. And I think there was a lot of burnout. Uh, I think people did their jobs and worked really, really hard. But I think the big shift is uh, I, I do think people who are on church staff now, particularly young people, are looking for a sense of community. I think people my age were looking for a sense of effectiveness. Hmm. So they got their... Uh, you know, their emotional perks came from how many professions of faith, how many baptisms, is the church growing? And, and I think we were energized by growth. 
Yes. And and I, I think people are still energized by growth, but I also think there is a maybe not an expectation, but but there's a desire for a lot of younger staff yeah. to feel like they're part of an organic community, and and I, I think today was a part of that. Absolutely. What gives a staff energy? I was reading a statistic last week that it says that uh, pretty much the millennial age range, which would be, what, 27 to 38 or 25 to 38 or so, is that 70% of them have left uh, kind of family behind in terms of having a close relationship with those family uh, so they can find close relationships with other people. Mm-hmm. Really, like, so with their parents, they're, they're almost estranged. 70%, it was That's that high. Yeah. New York Times, I believe, is where that was published. But I do think that possibly, because we have a lot of millennials on staff we here, a few generations E now, uh, that that could be kind of a consequence of that, is that so they don't have maybe the home life that they once had in general, and then they're looking for that, hopefully, in a organization. I remember when we first started, uh, you know, when millennials began to get the age that, that we began to hire some, I had one uh, come up to me and, and they outlined their situation. And, and all I could think of, Mike, was this is the last kind of stuff I would ever say to my boss. <laughs> because basically they had made a family decision and they, uh, it, it was almost like, uh, they were treating me like a father mm. and not an employer. Mm-hmm. And it was sort of like, you know, well, uh, we've decided to do something over here. You know, we decided to buy a new house. Could I get a raise? <laughs> it was that kind of thing, you know? And, and I mean, it was just yeah. uh, unthinkable to me. But then I got thinking through it. Uh, and I thought, they're seeing us as a workplace more in a familial mm-hmm, sense. Mm-hmm. I saw it more in a corporate sense. Come in, do your job. What's the reward? We're going to pay you. And if you don't do your job, we will find somebody who will do your job and we'll yeah. pay them. Yeah. But this is very, very different. And I think that conversation was one of the first opportunities I had to say, okay, uh, I'm not being seen the way I saw my yeah. bosses when sure. I was there. Did you think it was an abnormality at first? Of course I did. Okay. And then yeah. as you saw a trend. Then I saw a trend. You said, whoa, this is a whole generation yeah, of people. Yeah, that's right. That's right. And, and I think it has to do with just expectations that your employer is at least at some level uh, custodial. Mm-hmm. Uh, that I, I work here, yes. We do a job, yes. But I also need to believe that my employer cares about me that the workplace cares about me, that I'm not a standardized and interchangeable part that could easily be replaced. Because that's what they always used to tell us. You know, you can be replaced. I mean, that was was our whole thing, you know. We can replace you with a trained chimpanzee. And and we just... we're motivated by it, but I think people today are decimated by that's, it. That's perfectly said, because you're right. That is a motivational technique. And first of all, some people need that in their mind in case they think they're too special or too like they can't right. be replaced. Because at the end of the day, anybody can be replaced. All of us could be replaced. But if you think about just like, because I'm an old millennial, what we were being taught when we grew up, grew up is that we really were special. We really were unique. And that we need to, we'll be able to be whatever it is that right. we want to be. So you have that poured into us through the school system, yeah. first, second, third, fourth, fifth grade, and then you get to a workplace. It's like, hey, 
Yeah, you're just a replaceable part. That is so antithetical mm-hmm. to how a lot of this generation was built. Yeah, yeah. And and, and like you said, it, it became a trend. <laughs> and now, what percentage of our staff, Mike, would you say are millennials or younger? Oh, gosh, that's a, gr- a really great question. Well, uh, do you think we're at the 50% mark right Maybe now? Maybe even a tick higher? Yeah, absolutely. So, but... It, if for me, if I don't shift, yeah, I, I'm in a position where I think I'm not gonna be a good leader of the staff. So for me, I'm an old dog that really needed to learn new tricks. You help me do that. You give me insights that I don't see, because you know people will come up and and you know. Five years ago, it was kind of like, I got a great idea for you. Why don't you shut up and do your stinking job? <laughs> yeah. You know? Right. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, seriously, yeah. why don't just show them color? <laughs> yeah. But you've really helped me see this this family piece. And, and I know we did a piece on, on millennials and boomers mm-hmm. that, uh, you know, I think was pretty popular. Yeah. It was really, really popular. But I think you helped me see what your generation needs. From a workplace yeah. to be functional and healthy. And, and we all know happy, healthy, functional people are better employees no matter what you do. Right, right. And for me, at my age, because I, I've kind of been trained in both worlds. And that's what makes my... You're a bit of a bridge yeah, in some Yeah, a bridge yeah. generation. So uh, I know the old school. I know the new school. I was obviously brought up a little bit in the school system in the new school. Uh, but here's the thing. With the older generation, we need those type of boundaries Sometimes you just need to be quiet and do your job. That's mm-hmm. just a part of life. That's correct. And I do think for me, as I watch you, there's so much you've taught me that was not uh, that I was just not brought up to think like. And it's really been a joy to just work with you and watch you because I see things that, uh, in general, that maybe even like 10 years ago, I didn't know you then, but I would just scoff at. And now I'm like, no, all that's important. Mm-hmm. That's a, That's really how you should act at your job. That's how an organization runs. That's how you become effective in ministry. And so, you know, it's just a joy to, to learn from you in that way. Well, and that's been reciprocal. Uh, you know, part of what I've always wanted to be, and, and I think part of my generation, is, is we wanted to be consummate professionals. We wanted to be respected. We wanted mm-hmm. to be successful. And as we talked about in our earlier podcast, a, a lot of people my age traded success in the workplace for success in the family and they went through marriages and a lot of kids were estranged because in a very real sense my generation raised your generation yeah so any complaining we do about millennials is really complaining about our own lack of parenting skills and so i think that uh that that mutual learning Mm -hmm. where i am both a mentor to you But you're also a reverse mentor to me. I think when we develop those symbiotic relationships, now we start to feel like uh, I have something to offer and other people have something to offer me. That becomes a really healthy rhythm. Yeah, you got me thinking about, you know, we talked about, uh, I think, a cancel culture podcast and about how difficult it is right now to kind of gather people because there's not heads of groups any longer. Right. And I wonder in some way, uh, in some weird way, if this is kind of bringing generations together. Uh, when when I understand your generation better, I can bring people along with me mm-hmm. to help and mm-hmm. say, hey, this is what that generation is thinking. And there's good reason behind right. why they think this way. Mm-hmm. Maybe 
Uh, and maybe it's the same with you. You know, your generation can say, well, this is why uh, the millennials or Gen Zs are thinking in this way. And we can we can start to bridge something in our area of influence. Well, if you think about it, Mike, in a sense, we're interpreters. Because I uh, am in charge of an organization with a whole lot of millennials and, and younger people. I am learning to interpret their culture so people my age who are completely mystified by it, I can yeah. sort of be a little bit of an interpreter. I don't speak your language as well as you speak it. Yeah. But I speak it a heck of a lot better than most of my peers. Yeah. You're mm-hmm. kind of an interpreter with millennials of my generation. Yeah. You're you're a boomer interpreter. Yeah. And and you can say, Yeah, 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 you know, Shane's generation, they're all a bit weird. But yeah. here's kind of where they're coming from. And and I think as we develop an understanding as as we learn to see how each other think and frankly as we just can articulate what we need yeah uh, from people then i i think we enter a healthier place but you have to work kind of on behalf of the younger part of the staff and remind me hey they they need some of this we we need a day to play softball yeah and i can tell you 10 years ago I would say, what an absolute waste of the church's resources for us to do that. I believe it. Yeah. And so uh, I've had to change, but you have helped me do that. And I believe as a result of what we did today, I think we have built community. Everybody had a really good time at work. And I'm going to guess that when people take showers and come back tomorrow, in addition to the fact they'll be walking a little funny, they're going to be feeling even more part of this community, more a part of the staff, and probably really excited about getting back to work. I agree. You know, uh, on my end, I just uh, just about 15 minutes ago, we had we finished pizza out in our yeah. cafe. It was just a really beautiful picture. I think of the staff talking about uh, these stories, being together. Some of them brought family and friends in that moment. Yeah. And uh, like you said, community was happening after that. And I'm just uh, totally in agreement with you that I think it will bring energy. Mm-hmm. It's good, you know, you talked about how you motivate. I think it will bring energy uh, to the staff. And one other thing, Mike, is I've always said part of the key to happiness is having something to look forward to. We've had this game uh, on the calendar for about two months. Mm-hmm. And you know what I got noticing was that during lunch hour, some of the worship and tech people, they would be out with their baseball gloves, throwing softballs. Uh, We even had an all-staff day at the batting cages over lunch one day, and I just went and bought a whole gazillion uh, tokens, and Mm -hmm. everybody just hit. But it's not just the event. It's the anticipation of the event, and it's people working out and, and having fun. But Sometimes I think, well, you, people out there might be saying, well, we ought to have a softball game. Yeah, but don't, don't get in too big a rush with that. <laughs> Mike, we also did some extra things, didn't we? we? We did some perks with the softball game. It wasn't just everybody come out and we're going to play a softball game. No. Tell, tell everybody, we, we, yeah. we did some extra we, stuff. We wanted it to be fun. And, of course, part of having fun and building culture is just incorporating some food. So one of the things we did was we got Big League Chew which is a kind of baseball gum that you know kids always have in Little League. We had that out on the, on the benches for the players. We also had some sunflower seeds out there for, for everyone. And we have these amazing shirts that we're wearing still right now. Shane's got his uh, Sultan of Shane shirt on and mine is uh, Mike's Marauders. So we did those type of things. 
Also, we invited people out here. Yeah. We had a crowd, I, 50, 60, 50 uh-huh. or 60 uh-huh. people. We just invited people uh, from the church to come out, and they were out there. I was passing out some of those sunflower seeds. I don't know if you guys had to, anyone do that on your side. But it was just uh, communal. We wanted to have fun. We didn't put any practice necessarily as a team in no. together. Because uh, it wasn't really about that. It wasn't. A, because it wasn't about that. It was about having fun. And you brought a couple coolers out, had Gatorade, yeah. had water. And what was really interesting, and you talk about how each generation has something to add. It was Mike's idea that we would have Big League Chew and sunflower <laughs> seeds and drinks. Yeah. Right? And it was my idea that we would have shirts and that the shirts would be provided free to them. Yeah. And, uh, and and that we, we do that kind of team yeah. stuff. And again, that's a way I think my generation thinks in terms of uniforms yeah. and corporate. Yeah. You know, your your generation's thinking more in terms of juice boxes. Yeah. And See, so I knew at the end of the day, we yeah. both had something to offer. A little bit behind the scenes. I remember thinking that idea about the big league chew and the drinks and the, <laughs> and the sunflower seeds. I'm like, I wonder what... I, know if Shane's gonna love this but I will say when I brought it up you got it I got you, it you might not have understood you might not have suggested it yourself but you immediately understood I get stuff in ways I wouldn't get stuff if I hadn't been doing ministry with you for the past five years you have helped me see things differently and to see a need for things and there's a lot of stuff now that'll happen and I'll say that's eh, not what I would do <laughs> But you know what? It ends up going real well. There's some other things that I have an idea yeah. for, but I say, Mike, you guys run that your way. Yeah, absolutely. And that's gone really well, too. So yeah. I believe that, Mike, you and I as a team, we both bring something to the table. And if you're, and the people who are listening out there, you know, if you have boomers and, and, and millennials, yeah. if you can think of yourself as a team yeah. working that's toward right. the same goal, maybe two sides of the same coin. But if you listen to each other and respond right. to each other, you're going to get better results no matter what it is you're trying to We've produce. And I'll give one tip on the millennial side, and it's probably the same for, for boomers. There are just times that I have to say to myself, Shane sees something that I don't see and I don't understand. I have to trust him. Mm-hmm. There's been several times where yeah. I'm like, because I know how you think. Right. I know that you care. And there's a lot of times I have to say, I don't get it. Mm-hmm. And of course, obviously, I work for you, but I'm just talking about yeah. in my own mind and heart. I said, you know what? I guarantee he is not making a bad decision. If he's, if he knows something, he sees something that I don't. So what I'm trying to say is that sometimes there's a blind spot mm-hmm. and you just have to be comfortable with that blind spot. And that's that reciprocal trust. I think that's happening. It is. And, and, you know, as, as somebody who's, who's been in the workforce for uh, 30 years, who's had, I, I think by any measure, uh, some significant success. I don't know everything, but I honestly do feel like that I deserve the benefit of the doubt. You know, you flip over my baseball card and you take a look at, at what has been produced. If nothing else, it earns me the benefit of the doubt. But on the other hand, it doesn't earn me carte blanche to think I'm right on everything. I remember an old story about Ted Williams, the great baseball player. Uh, one of his teammates said the most amazing thing about Ted Williams isn't that he hit 400 one season. It's that he lived to be X amount of years and never thought he was wrong even once. And so for me, humility is something I have to say, okay, I've had success over the last 30 years, but everything's changed. 
And if I'm going to continue to be successful, it's not because I'm applying old practices. It's going to be because I have the resilience and the humility mm -hmm. to listen and to learn. So I feel like, Mike, that you make me better and that the young staffers we have make me better because they force me to learn. And if I'll stay humble, mm -hmm. I think I can have a really effective fourth quarter of ministry. If I get thinking I've got such a big lead, no one can take it from me, and, right. and I just coast out like a, a lot of people do, right. uh, I think I've missed an incredible opportunity. And, and uh, speaking of opportunity, I know that as I prepare, because I'm really ending probably the first quarter, getting close to ending the first quarter of ministry for me, if I really want to be effective for the next three, I have to learn from you. I appreciate that. I really mean that. And I have to keep being open to that and understand there's some stuff that I don't see as well. So uh, I appreciate uh, our relationship and I appreciate uh, all uh, you're teaching me in the ways that you know and the ways that you don't know. Awesome, man. Appreciate yeah. it. And so to uh, what y'all are wondering, though, is how did Mike really play? Well, first of all, Mike, uh, I think I, I did thought well he played the pretty first solid. Half. No, I thought, I thought he was pretty solid. You got to remember, Mike did not come up playing tons and tons of ball. So one of the things I noticed about him was the second we started doing this, he really started practicing. And, and he, he played. He would go out and hit. I would see him out in the hot sun uh, putting some work in. And what I can say is, Mike, what you brought to the table in the game is substantially better play than if you had not put that time in. And so you saw that there was going to be a game. Mm -hmm. You didn't want to humiliate yourself on one hand, and you mm -hmm. wanted to contribute on the other hand. And I felt, I just saw you put the time, effort, and energy that it took to do that. And I thought you played solid defensively. I thought you made good, solid contact with the ball. And you played a very competitive game. I know that would not have been the case in quite the same way had you not put that time, effort in. So, guys, I'm going to give Mike a, a solid, solid effort rating. And I thought you played really well. Thank you very well. Thank you very much. You played very well. Like always, someone came up to me and said, wow, I didn't know Shane was still so good. I said, yeah, it's pretty amazing. And I said, he wasn't even trying very hard. So <laughs> that, that was true. But you had double. You do... Did you have like four doubles? I don't know. Yeah, I, I something probably... like that. And they could have been triples. So. Yeah, but then you'd have to run. And, and, <laughs> and uh, I, I didn't really want to run hard. Yeah. No, but... You know, I've been playing my whole life, and so uh, that was just fun. So in a, in a very real sense, Mike, and it's probably a good last point to make, sometimes we're asked to do things that are just in our skill set. Uh, it's just what I've always done. So it, 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 it's just like me preaching. Mm -hmm. I've always done it, and, and, and I knew I was pretty good at it, and even though I'm old and fatter, uh, I, I still knew we were going to be just fine. Uh, the next thing we do, I think we're going to do bowling. And we're going to have a staff bowling. Well, guess what? There's zero chance I'm going to be the best bowler. Zero. And the guy that might have been so bad he didn't even want to play softball could well end up being the best bowler. So part of that is just having the humility to, to say, you know what? What I'm good at is great, yeah. but I'm not good at everything, but still going out there and sometimes letting people see that you're not the best at everything is actually healthy for you and them. Absolutely. It's easier to stay humble when you're not very good. <laughs> yeah.
Well, thank you for joining us for Navigating Change with Shane and Mike. Be sure to subscribe and share our podcast. And of course, make sure that you keep changing.